But really, last night, about 11 o'clock, it was one of those nights where things just kind of got changed up on me. I, I, I thought I knew what I was preaching this morning. I was reading from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 46, verse number 9, I believe. And the, the Bible says something interesting here. It says, when the people of the land come before the Lord in the solemn feast, he that cometh in by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the south gate. And he that come in by way of the south gate shall go out by way of the north gate. He shall not go out by way of the gate that he came in but shall go out over and against it. And I just started to think that on this last going out kind of Sunday of 2012, some of you came into this year with some issues. Some of you came into this year with some problems. Some of you came into this year with some doubts and some insecurities and some questions and some hurts and some failures, but you're going out a different way than you came in. You're not going out the same gate you came in. Hello, somebody. That's a word for you right now. You're not going out the same way you came in. You're going out over. You're going out against it. I'm not going out the same way I came in. I'm going out over some things. I'm going out against some things. Hallelujah. So on this last Sunday of 2012, I just want to preach what I feel for a while. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse number 1. Then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og, everybody say Og. Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. And the Lord said unto me, Fear him not, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand, and thou shalt do unto him as thou did unto Sion, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. In other words, our God is saying here, I did it before, I'll do it again. Verse number three, so the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og also the king of Bashan and all his people. And we smote him until none was left to him remaining. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not. Three score cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og and Bashan. All these cities were fenced. Everybody say fenced. With high walls and gates and bars. In other words, there was more opposition this time. The problem was bigger this time. But God said, I did it before. I'll do it again. Beside unwalled towns a great many, and we utterly destroyed them as we did unto Sihon, king of Heshbon. Verse number 8, bear with me a couple more scriptures. And we took at that time into the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, the land that was on this side of Jordan from the river Armon unto Mount Hermon, all the cities of the plain and all the cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. Listen to this. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Everybody say Og was a giant. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabbath, the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof. Four cubits was the breadth after it, after the cubit of a man. And I don't need to get into all the measurements, but suffice to say that's bigger than a California king. That's a big bed. Og was a giant. In other words, this king was a giant. This time the problem was bigger. But God said, I did it before, and I'll do it again. Acts chapter 2, verse 
number one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And we know the scripture. Verse number 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. In other words, God saying, I did it before and I will do it again. Why don't we put our Bibles down and lift our spirits to heaven. Father, we love you today. We worship you in this place. God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, our minds. We are open to you both to will and to do of your good pleasure. God, we ask today that we would not quickly forget what we have experienced and heard in this place. Remind us until what we hear becomes what we do. In the name of Jesus, the church said amen. Put your hands together one more time. Let's magnify the name of Jesus in this place. Come on. The last Sunday of 2012, let's put our hands together. Let's give God praise in the building. He is worthy. He is worthy. Yes, Lord. Come on, put your hands together. Give God praise like you mean it. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for standing with me. You may be seated. I don't plan on being real long this morning. It is the last Sunday. I won't keep you real long. It, it is a little cold. I walked down to the lobby. It's nice and warm in the lobby. It's a little chilly in the gym. The best way to warm up is just to get up and do some movement. And so even if you're just getting up to warm your body, just act like you're preaching with the preacher. Get up from time to time. Clap your hands. Lift your voice. You'll help me out. You'll help your body temperature out. Amen. It's a win-win situation. He'll do it again. Look at your neighbor and say, he'll do it again. We're living in an interesting era in our history. This is obviously a very vague and a very blanket statement as many aspects of the era and the society and the culture in which we live today are interesting to say the least. But one of the most interesting aspects of today's culture to me and the day and age in which we live in today to me is it seems that we are living in an era where more and more we are looking back upon what once was quick look at consumer patterns and cultural trends over the past 10 years reveal that this is an era of reminiscing, that this is a time of looking back to what once was. It's really no great mystery to understand why we live in complicated times. We live in uncertain times. We live in troubling and disconcerting times and challenging times. We live really, if you study the scripture, you would know that we live in the end times. We live in uncertain times. And so we look back to the way that things were in a simpler time. You've probably heard the politicians this season of campaigning. For the first time in American history, polls and studies reveal that the vast majority of our citizens do not foresee any future improvement upon the way that things are right now. This great American optimism has diminished rapidly, replaced by a pessimistic and a sour outlook on the future. And as such, we are seeing in our culture more than any other time, probably a hearkening back to a better time, a simpler time, a more certain time, a more prosperous time. We see it in entertainment, right? Most films being released anymore just seem to be remakes or prequels or of earlier Films. We see it in music, most music being 
released anymore is nothing more than a reprocessed duplication of a previous generation sound. Indeed, even so-called cutting-edge music industry people such as Lady Gaga or Nicki Minaj are little more than modern-day iterations of yesterday's Madonna or yesterday's Michael Jackson. And for the record, the only thing worse than Madonna and Michael Jackson, Jackson is a bad copy of Madonna and Michael Jackson. We see it in fashion. Most new fashions today are retreads of what our grandparents used to wear. And we see it in the automobile industry as most new vehicles that are being released kind of have a familiar look to them. Anybody see the new Camaro? Looks familiar, doesn't it? The new Mustang? Looks familiar, doesn't it? The new Dodge Charger? Looks familiar, does it? They are earmarking and hearkening back to a day in the heyday of the American automobile. A simpler time, a sturdier time, a more certain time. There's a great looking back. There's a great reminiscing. And we see it even in the church today, a great looking back and a hearkening back. And for the record, I feel like this has largely been a good thing for the church in this generation, especially Brother Mado, as our pulpits again are ringing with a certain sound. It reminds me of the Lord's words in the book of, uh, in the book of Jeremiah in chapter 6, Thus saith the Lord, to, to walk, stand ye in the ways, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way and you shall find rest for your weary souls. We live in weary times, don't we? I want to tell the church this morning that there is rest for your weariness in some certain places. There is rest for your troubled spirit in some sturdy places. There is rest in some sure places, in some tested places. Ask for the old path and walk therein. Where is the good way. We live in weary times. How many of us today, if we're honest about it, we just feel weary sometimes. We just feel worn out sometimes. 2012 was a rough year for a lot of us in a lot of different ways, and some of us probably feel a little beaten down. We live in weary times. I'm reminded, though, of the great apostle's admonition in the book of Galatians to not get weary in well-doing, for if you Somebody help me here. If you faint not in due season, you shall reap. Where do we find rest for our weary souls? Well, where do we find rest for our weary souls? Ask Jeremiah. He says, ask for the old path. He's saying there's rest for your weariness in some proven places. There's rest for... youth ministry for a long time, so I'm comfortable right here. They say that if, you, if you're if you a youth pastor or a children's pastor, that you can start a church because you're used to all kinds of different responses. You never know what you're going to get it, it, from Wednesday to Wednesday, from Friday to Friday with young people. So I know it's the last Sunday of the year. I know we're tired. I know a lot of us are full of sugar plums and whatever else we ate this last week. But someone's going to help me preach this morning. There's rest for your weariness in some proven places. You know what I find interesting today? We live in a weary society. Yet the church, to me, it just, can I, can I just interject here? Now's not the time for the church to stop being the church. 
Can I just interject here and say to the church folk that are here today, now's not the time for the church to stop having prayer meetings. Now's not the time for the church to stop having revival meetings. Now's not the time for the church to, hello, to stop showing up on the midweek service. Now's not the time. Yes, but we're busy. Yes, but we're hectic. I know that we're busy. I know we have mortgages and we have bills and we have school payments. I know we're slammed on Sunday and we're tired on Tuesday. I know, but where is the Lord and all the busyness of our life Ask for the old past where the good way is and walk therein and you shall find rest for your weary soul. Church, let me encourage you going into 2013. The very church service you're comfortable missing is the very thing that brings rest to your weary soul. The very midweek service that you're okay with skipping out on is the very, you don't know what you're missing when you miss out on the house of God. The very prayer meeting that you decide to skip because you're tired is the only thing that can bring rest to your weary soul. So I say to Life Church 2013, let's look at some old paths again. Let's revisit midweek service again. Let's revisit prayer meetings again. Let's revisit the prayer room again. Let's revisit fasting again. Let's revisit Bible quizzing again. Come on, young people. Let's revisit you service again. Ask. And find rest in some proven places. And in this hearkening back, this reminiscing back, there's been a call to restore some things. I do believe that every generation needs a recalibration of sorts, that we get off center sometimes and we need to remember who we are that this is an apostolic church, that we are still one, 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 one way to God, one way to heaven, repentance, baptism. Jesus' name, going into the 2013, let's let's recalibrate some things. That preaching Acts 2:38 is more than just some organizational candy stick. It's more than just some memorized mantra, but it is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. It is the culmination of the gospel. Amen. <clears throat> so we look back, and we hearken back, and we remember this is who. We are. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of ancient and permanent truths that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that his word is infallible and forever settled in heaven, that he is still the God who was and who is and who is to be forever. And it's in times like these that we can look back, be reminded that this is the God who brought us out of Egypt, this is the God who navigated us through the wilderness. This is the God who brought us to the precipice of the promise. That God still does what he says he will do. That our God is still able, hello. That our God is still greater, hello. That our God is all powerful. That the God of the Bible can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. That he still sits on the throne and he is still in charge even in the world though that we live in today. Even in the year 2012, our God is able. Somebody ought to thank the Lord right now that our God still reigns. It doesn't matter who sits in the Oval Office. I, my God still sits on the throne. It doesn't matter who sits in the Kremlin. My God still he still reigns he still reigns but 
if we're not careful. How many are still with me? We're going places, folks, don't we? But if we're not careful, Pastor Mark, still we can look back so much and we can reminisce so much and we can look back for too long that we forget that not only could God do it then, but he can do it again. That not only could God pour out a revival on this church five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but he can do it again. That not only could God deliver you 10 years ago, but he could do it again. That not only could God bless your finances seven years ago when the economy was cranking, but he can do it again even in the middle of a downturn. That not only could God fill your kids with the Holy Ghost 15 years ago when they were children, but he can bring them back to the church today he can do it again that not only could God cast out a legion of devils 2,000 years ago but he can deliver you from whatever ails you he can break whatever addiction is in your he can do it again look at your neighbor and say he'll do it again not only could God heal the sick and raise the dead and open blinded eyes and make the cripple walk 2,000 years ago, but my God can still heal your body. My God can still deliver you from your affliction today. My God can still open blinded eyes, both physically and spiritually. He can still raise the dead. He can still cure cancer. He can do it again. Don't get so stuck looking at yesterday's glory that you forget that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than... Look at your neighbor and say, he'll do it again. Amen. In our text from Deuteronomy, we see the story of the children of Israel under the leadership of Moses, the military direct direction of Joshua as they attempt to overtake a stronghold standing in their way at the entrance to the promised land. Finally, children of Israel are at the precipice to their promise. Finally, they've made it through the wilderness. In the previous chapter, in fact, we see God tell Moses that finally the people who needed to die off were now gone. This day, we are crossing over. They come to Heshbon, and there's a king there named Sihon, and they ask only to pass through. They don't even ask to possess. Sihon refuses. He brings all of his forces, all of his armies, all of his people out to do battle with the Israelites. And God miraculously delivers this band of Israelites from an organized army. Delivers Sihon the king and all of his people and all of his land into the hands of the Israelites. It is a great victory for God's people. Then they pass through Heshbon. And they come to Bashan. They're done passing through. It's time to possess. They're done passing through. It's time to possess. They're done passing through some things. It's time to possess some things. They said, we came in one gate. We're going out another gate. I'm done passing.
passing through some situations. It's time to possess the promise over that situation. They're done passing through. And at the entrance into the promise is the country of Bashan. The mighty and a formidable king named Og. And in this story that Moses is telling us, I want to point out a couple things as I close this morning about the nature of God that I feel so strongly in my spirit are so right and so real for life, church, today as individuals and as a church, as parents, as elders, and as leaders. Today, Moses says in verse number one of our text, then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people. To battle at Edriai. Edriai was a place where Israel had to face their giant before they possessed their promise. If they were going to possess what God had in store for their lives, it had to be at Edriai. If they were going to move from passing through into possession, if they were going to move from the past into the present, if they were going to move from the past into the promise, it had to be at Edriai. We don't know a whole lot about Edrei other than what Joshua briefly lists in chapter 19, that Edrei was a place between Kadesh and Enhazer. Kadesh and Enhazer. The battle for your future, Israel. The battle for your children. The battle for your promise. The battle for your revival. The battle for your breakthrough. The battle for your family. The battle for your church. The battle for your city is fought in a place between Kadesh and in Hazor, Kadesh means to be consecrated. It means to be hollowed. It means to be sanctified and set apart unto God. It comes from a Hebrew word meaning holiness and apartness. Kadesh, consecration. Oh, there is a battle raging near Kadesh today. How consecrated, how committed to the things of God do I really need to be in the year 2012? How consecrated and committed to the kingdom of God do I need to be in the year 2012 and there's a battle raging near Kadesh today. Do I really want to consecrate? Do I really want to sell out to this? Do I really want to commit to the kingdom? Do I really want to commit to the church? Do I really want to submit to my pastor? There's a battle raging near Kadesh today. Do I really want to live holy? Do I really need all that? really need to do this and do that. Can't I get by? Does it really matter what I do and what I go and what I say? And God knows my heart. There's a battle raging near Kadesh today. Let me just interject here. I, I, I hear this so much, especially working with young people. Well, God knows my heart. It, it's almost as if we say this as a cop-out to do whatever we want to do in life. Well, God knows my my response to that is always this, you're exactly right, I agree 100%. God does know your heart, that's why he gives us his word. Because he knows how foul your heart can be. In fact, it's the word of God, isn't it, that says the heart of man is deceitful above all things. What does that mean? That means your heart will lie to you. I see people post on Facebook, just follow your heart. I want to scream, don't follow your heart. Your heart lies to you. Follow the word of God. <laughs> Young lady, it's your heart. It's your heart that gets you in trouble before you're married. Young man, it's your heart that gets you in trouble before you're married. It's your heart that takes you places you shouldn't go. It's your the heart of man is deceitful above all things, the Bible says, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You don't even know your own heart. 
Don't even try to follow it. Follow the word. Another sermon for another time. Kadesh and Enhazer. Kadesh and Enhazer. A battle for your future, my church. A battle for your family. A battle for your promise. Come on, we're going into a new year. We're going into a new year. It's time to look at some things and say, what battles do I need to fight today so that I can possess what God has for my life in this new year? It's fought in that place between Kadesh consecration and inhazer. Inhazer means leaks. Leaks. Did some very brief research on leaks and this is what the the dictionary definition of a leak says. A leak is a vegetable belonging to the onion and garlic family. It's a vegetable whose earliest known specimen comes from ancient archaeological sites in Egypt. Inhazer. Leaks. Egypt. Oh, there's a battle raging near in Hazer today. How close can I get to the things of the world? How close can I get to the things of the world? How close can I get to the leaks of Egypt? Can I live for God and have the pleasures of Egypt in my life? There's a battle raging near in Hazer today. Is this really a heaven or hell issue? Is this really a sin? How close can I get to in Hazer? There's a showdown in the church today in that place between Kadesh and in Hazer. There's a battle raging in Edrei today. That place between the consecration to the things of God and the consumption of the leaks of Egypt. This is the proving ground. This is the battlefield. Everything hinges on the fight and the struggle in this place between Kadesh and Enhazer. Everything rises and falls in our life and in our future, the future of this church and the future of our families and Pastor Model, the future of these young people, the future of your eternity. Everything rises and falls. Everything is won or lost in the battle between Kadesh and Enhazer, if we're going to have revival, if we're going to see the manifest power of an almighty God at Life Church, not just on Sundays in this building, but on all days, in all places, all over this city, if we're going to see signs and wonders, if we're going to possess what God has in store for us today, we've got to make some decisions and fight some battles and do battle with some giants here in Edrei before this new year, there's some decisions. Are you going to consecrate to the things of God or continue to lust after the leaks of Egypt? God has a great promise for your life. God has a great promise for this church. God has a great promise for this youth ministry. I don't say these things flippantly. I don't say this everywhere I go. This This is a special place. This is a special church. I don't say that just because the pastor and his family and his staff are dear friends of mine. I say that because I've been with this church a few times and I've seen the journey that God has taken you on the last few years. This is a church with promise upon you. This is a church with destiny upon you. This is a church, and I've told Pastor Brown this, I believe this will be the largest United Pentecostal church in Southern California very soon. 
I don't say that flippantly. I don't pretend to be a prophet. I'm not. Um, that's not my ministry, but it's just, it, it doesn't take much to see it. The vision and, and the structure and the things being put in place are unprecedented for the United Pentecostal Church in this, in this region, in this area. I'm not saying that as a slight on anybody else. I'm just saying that because it's true. I see what's going on in this place. I know what I feel when I walk into this place, and I'm thankful that this church, let me tell you else, what else I believe, because this church has welcomed people like myself, home missionaries, and has blessed them. I'm telling you, God has a great blessing upon this church. This, I'm not saying it because I, I'm trying to get a response. I'm saying it, Brother Steele, because I believe it with everything inside of me. God has destiny on this place. God has a future in this place. But if we're going to see it, we've got to make some decisions today. We've got to fight some battles today. It's no coincidence. It's no coincidence that the battle takes place between consecration and between the things of the world. We've got to leave our love for Egypt outside. We've got to leave our love for the things of this world outside. It's time in 2013 for some young couples at Life Church to say we're not going to watch that anymore. We're not going to be involved in that anymore. We're not going to do those things. You got to understand me. This is not my normal style of preaching. I'm not one of those hard preachers. But I just see a battle raging in this generation for some people to consecrate to the things of God. Because all the structure in place and all the prayer in the world from top-level leadership will never replace some good old-fashioned saints in the pews getting a hold of this and saying, you know what, it's not just my pastor that's going to live that life, but I'm going to live that life too. It's not just Pastor Amado and Sister Amber that are going to live that way, but I'm going to live that way too. Ah, my children must be saved. My family must be saved. I've got to fight the giant at Edriai. So the Israelites faced Og at Edriah. I'm coming to a close, bear with me. What's interesting about Og is our text tells us that Og was a descendant of giants and was in fact himself a giant. It gives the measurements of his bedstead. Most Bible scholars agree that he was over ten and a half feet tall without armor. How many know that we just face some things in life that are just bigger than us? There are problems that we face that are just bigger than us. There are situations and circumstances that we're going to face this year that are just bigger than us. That without the help of an almighty God, there's just no way it could ever happen. That there is in fact a giant in Edrei today. That, that there is in fact a giant standing between you and what God has for your life. And the bad news is you can't defeat this giant on your own. And the good news is you don't have to defeat this giant on your own because God brought you this far today. Do you think that you made it here without the hand of God at work in your life? Did you really think it'd be any different this time? Moses writes, the Lord said unto me, fear him not, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand and shall do unto him just like I did unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. I did it before and I'll do it again. 
You know what's interesting to me, Brother Steele, is I find no reference to Sihon being a giant, but yet God says, hey, I know Og is a giant, but do you remember what I did to Sihon? I'll do it again. But God, Og is a giant. I know it makes no difference to me, Moses. I see giants the same way as I see everybody else. You're the only one that looks at it different. It makes no difference today to God the size of your problem. God looks at Og the same way he looked at Sion. God looks at the giant the same way. He, if he worked on your behalf then, he'll do it again. The problems are bigger today. I understand that. But God said I did it before. I'll do it again. I know there are giant problems today. I know we're facing things in this generation that we've never faced before. But if you look back long enough to remember what God did for you yesterday, then I'm challenging you this morning to look back, to look ahead just enough to see what God wants to do for you today. strong in my spirit today. We are facing things that we've never faced before. I can't tell you all the good church folk who've been around a while talk about the old times, the services we used to have, the revivals we used to have, the healings, the signs, the wonders we used to have. I tell you this, it's a new season. It's a new day. Some of you, you've looked back long enough, and it hasn't been a bad thing for you to look back because you've looked back long enough for God to remind you of some things. As you stand here at Edgerai facing down your og, you've looked back long enough, and God has reminded you about Heshbon. He did it before, and today he's saying, I'll do it again. He delivered you then, he'll do it again. He healed you then, he'll do it again. He poured out revival then, he'll do it again. The best days of this church are ahead of us and not behind us. He'll do it again. The biggest growth in your ministry is ahead of you and not behind you. He'll do it again. The greatest revival in your family is tomorrow, not yesterday. He'll do it again. The greatest miracles that you'll ever experience in your life didn't happen 2,000 years ago. Didn't happen 20 years ago. They are yet to happen. He'll do it again. I know there's a giant in Edria. I know the problem is bigger than me and bigger than you. I know we are facing more than we've ever faced before. Yes, we're living in perilous times. Yes, we're living in disconcerting times. Yes, we're living in troubling times. Yes, this is the end times. I know. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel my help coming on right now. I know we're living in a day and an age where unspeakable acts of terror happen. I understand that. But if he Bestseller in the New York Times, USA Today, and Amazon. For the past several months, have been a sexually explicit series. It's become an instant sensation among American girls and women, from grandmothers to preteens. We're facing a giant of immorality. But he did it before. He'll do it again. I know there have been a series of headlines that have lasted day after day, media outlets across the world covering unspeakable acts of terror and horror, things that shake you to your core, 
questions why could something like this happen. We live in, Pastor Milo, we just, it's just a different, and I, and I never really truly believed that until now, until recently. I've seen I've seen depravity twenty years ago. We have depravity then, and you know people say, "Well, it's just hard." And I guess as a youth pastor, I just I didn't want to give my young people any excuses. Well, it's so hard to live for God today. But I'm gonna tell you something. It's different today. There's something you can sense it. You can sense it. I can't put my finger on it. I can't quantify it with language. I can't, I maybe can't, I, there's, there's certainly scriptures that point to it, but I may not even be able to point to it scripturally. I just know what I feel. We're living in the end times. We're living in the last days. The giants are bigger today. The problems are greater today. I've read the headlines of entire school staffs being dismissed here in Los Angeles because of a culture of school. We're living in twisted times. We're facing giants in our culture of depraved perversion, but he did it before. He'll do it again. We're facing a giant of an economic crisis. And I've heard all the excuses. We can't plan a church in 2013. The finances aren't there. He did it before. He'll do it again. We're facing a giant of immorality in our politics, but he did it before. He'll do it again. God said, do you remember Sion? God, the problems are bigger today. doesn't matter to me. I'll handle the giant the same way I handled that pipsqueak. I did it before. I'll do it again. I did it before. I'll do it again. Can I just tell you today? That if you have an issue in your body, that God wants to heal you today. And listen, if you have an issue in your body, and if if God so much has healed you of a sniffle two years ago, he can heal you of cancer today. That's just the way that God works. You say, but God, I don't have a point of reference. Yes, you do. If he's ever, 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 even once just touched you, he'll heal you of cancer today. He did it before. He'll do it again. It makes no difference to God. The size of the giant, Adriai. You know, my wife and I were going to a city with no United Pentecostal church. I've heard all the naysayers. I've heard all the statistics. We're going to a region in Los Angeles, one of the most underchurched metros in the entire world, millions upon millions upon millions of people without God, the melting pot of North America, 200 nationalities represented, 220 languages spoken, the entire world in one place, a mission field right here in our backyard. And I've heard all the statistics. I I know why it can't be done, but I've been looking back long enough for God to remind me that it was right here in Los Angeles in April of 1906 in an old building on Azusa Street in downtown LA that an apostolic preacher faced down the giants of that day and said, God, if you can pour out your spirit in an upper room in the book of Acts, then you can pour out your spirit in Los Angeles in 1906 and in a building that had been used as a lumber yard, a tombstone shop, and a stable for 
their horses. God did it again. He poured out his spirit upon all flesh and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they and it reached blacks and it reached whites and it reached Asians and it reached Catholics and Presbyterians and He did it before. He did it before. He did it before. And it spread from Los Angeles all across the country and from the country to the rest of the globe. And still today, the Pentecostal church is the fastest growing movement on the planet. Don't you tell me that he can't. But the giants are bigger. I understand that. But if he did it in 1906, he can do it in 2012. He can do it in 2013. He did it before, and he'll do it again. And not only will he do it again, but the glory of the latter shall be greater than the glory of the former. A greater revival than what we ever saw in the book of Acts. A greater revival than what we ever saw at Azusa Street is upon us, Life Church. It's right here. We're at the precipice. We're at the precipice, Pastor Mondo. I can sense it. I can see it. I can feel it in my spirit. I'm at the precipice, the greatest revival that your family has ever seen, your lost loved ones that you've been praying for. You're at the precipice. You're at the precipice. Those children who were filled in an altar but aren't serving God today, we're at the precipice. We're at the precipice. We're at the precipice. I can sense it. I can feel it. Greater revival. He's not finished yet. He's looking at Life Church and he's saying that was only Heshba. That memory that you have of that great move of God in your life, that was only Heshbon. That was only Sion. That's just a pipsqueak. That's just a blip on the radar compared to the giants here in Bashan. And everything I did yesterday for you in Hashban, you were just passing through all that. That wasn't even possession. You were just going through that so you could get here today. And God says, now you're here today, and I've called you to possess something greater. Yesterday's miracles were great. Yesterday's blessings were good. Yesterday's outpourings were awesome. But you were just passing through all of that. I'm about to bring you into possession of a land with greater glory and if I could feel 120 on one day and then 3,000 the next day if I could spread Pentecost globally over one century what could I do today with the giants in Bashan you have not seen anything yet Life Church he did it before he did it before to the hundreds he did it before to the thousands he did it doing it right now in the millions but I'm telling you he's about to do it in the billions he did it before he'll do it again prove me now herewith says the Lord of hosts further still and see if I won't I love the way God works God kind of reminds me of like being back in fifth grade at Pleasant Valley Christian Academy in Oxnard, California. That sounds to me, see if I won't. Remember that? It sounds to me like being back in fifth grade. I triple dog dare you. 
That's the way I read it. That's God saying, I dare you to ask something great today. I dare you to believe me for something awesome today. I dare you to trust me for a great revival today. See if I won't. See if I won't. See if I won't. Pour out a blessing. You won't even have room to receive it. As we exit 2012, the precipice of 2013, some very encouraging news at Impact Conference Bishop James Carney shared some statistics from a book called Mega Shift in the book author Jim Rutz who is a pretty well known studier and scholar of the Pentecostal movement globally points to a group of Pentecostals that he calls core apostolics your neighbor and say, that's you. According to research, Buddhists globally are growing at a 0.9% growth rate annually. Hindus globally, a 1.1% growth rate annually. Muslims, a 1.8% growth rate annually. Christians, all Christians, Includes Catholics and every Christian denomination. A meager 1.1% growth rate. All of Protestants, that is if you remove the Catholic element, 1.4% growth rate. But core apostolics, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Core apostolics are growing globally at an annual 8% growth rate. Because some of you are not good mathematicians like me. And I read that and say, well, that sounds good, but okay. So fast is the growth rate of apostolics that under current trends, the entire world could be apostolic by the year 2032, 20 years from today with current growth projections, 8.2 billion people. We read the scripture and we get impressed that 120 were filled in one day and 3,000 the next day. But he says in his book that right now, 3,000 people get filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues every 25 minutes. This means that by this time tomorrow, Pastor Amado, 175,000 more people will have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And if it keeps going the way it's going, by 2032, everybody on this planet is going to know what it means to be apostolic. Everybody on this planet is going to know this apostolic message. Now's not the time to change who we are. Now's not the time to stop doing what we we do. He's doing it again all over the world. The book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, it's happening again. It's as real and as alive today as it's ever been. We just don't see it because it's global. But I'm telling you right now that God is fixing to do it right here in Los Angeles all over again. I know 
why it can't be done, Brother Steele. I know the statistics, and I know the trajectories, and I know the climate and the culture and all that other. But I also know the word of God. I know that there's a giant in Bashan. I know we live in complicated times. I know we live in a region, in a culture today that is very wicked. I know that. But, but God said it is in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And let me ask you a question. If God wanted to pour out his spirit upon all flesh in one place, where would it be? 200 nationalities, 220 languages, the whole world in one place. God said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. He'll do it again, Brother Jeff. He'll do it again. Oh, I get excited when I preach about this. Why? Because I see these trends happening all over the world, and that gives me hope for my family. That gives me hope for my future. I know that the Spirit of God is still alive, and it's still well. I know we're facing economic crisis and the fiscal cliff. I know some of you didn't get the candidate you wanted, but I'm here to tell you today that he did it before, and he'll do it again. It makes no difference the culture. It makes no difference the climate. It makes no difference the economy. God is getting ready to pour out his promise on your life. If you believe it, would you stand all across this place? Would you put your hands together and magnify the king above all kings as they begin to sing and play? Come on, we're going out different than the way we came in. We're going out different than the way we came in. Some of us came into this year with some issues and some problems. You don't have to leave the same way you came. He's doing it again. So if there's anybody here today and you've struggled with your promise a little bit and you've just everything going on in the world, you just, you know, well, God, I just don't know. I just don't know. And if you've been encouraged this morning, I want you to come and find your, your, yourself a place to pray in these altars. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. And I want you to enter into the promise that God has for your life. I want you to enter in. Come on, somebody. See if I won't, he said. See if I prove me now herewith. And see if I won't. Come on, anybody else, you've just been struggling. God, you promised me some things five years ago, and I, I just haven't seen it yet. I, you promised me some things 15 years ago, and I, I haven't seen it yet. You promised me some things six months ago, God, and it hasn't come to pass yet. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, he's getting ready to do it again. And the glory of the former house shall be greater than that. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former house, says the Lord of hosts. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Lift your spirits to Jesus. I feel faith rising in this place. I just sense it right now in the Holy. I feel faith beginning to rise at Life Church. Come on. Your greatest days are ahead of you, mom and dad. The greatest days in your family are ahead of you. The greatest days for your children are ahead of them. The greatest days in your ministry are ahead of you. He did it before. He'll do it again. Do exceeding abundant above. 
Some here today have been praying a prayer, perhaps, for the entire year. Is there anyone in the house today that's been praying the same prayer, at least for 2012? Can, can someone acknowledge that? And some are waiting for it to happen. Can someone acknowledge that? We are so confined just because we're human by time. Well, he didn't do it this year. But we serve a God who is timeless. He's not bound by our own watches and times and calendars. We use that for order in our world. But just because the prayer that you've been praying isn't answered this year, I'm not bound by that God. And I'm not going to walk faithless because of that. Because you are faithful. And his word is faithful. And if he did it before, if he did it for my family, if he did it for my brother in the church, he's going to do it again. He's going to do it in his time and his purpose. But I must continue to trust and believe that thing. So whatever you may be asking God to do, I'm going to ask that you pray that prayer to him. And come January 1st, if it hasn't happened, you tell yourself, I'm not bound by time. My God's not bound by time, but he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. I think we need to believe that we serve a faithful God. So lift up your hands. If you have that need, lift up your hands. And if you know someone that's next to you that has that need, would you believe God with them? The need that you have, the need that you've been praying for, and it seems that it's been the same request, and it's been the same thing you've been asking week after week and day after day and month after month, but it hasn't come to pass. But God is here to remind us that it happens according to his purpose, according to his season, and we must remain, hallelujah, we must stand fast, we must remain and say, God, I'm going to wait on your word, which is faithful, Hallelujah. Jesus, I believe and know that you can do a work, God, and it's going to happen according to your time. But, Lord, I am going to remain. Jesus, I'm going to stand fast. Jesus, I'm going to believe in the midst of God in spite of. Hallelujah. Because what you spoke to me today brings life and hope into my life and into my situation. And behold, hallelujah, the thing that I thought was dead, Jesus is going to raise it up and resurrect it and if he did it once uh, he'll do it again believe that God is going to resurrect that thing you've been praying for that thing that you've been fasting for that thing you've been believing for God is going to bring it back again hallelujah thank you Jesus I believe you God God you brought us to this place God and you're going to do it Again, hallelujah. And that was a word from God. In fact, right before we started church, I was speaking to someone about how this generation needs to go back to the place. I'm tired 
of hearing about my grandmother's stories. I'm tired of hearing of the elders' stories and their accounts of what they witnessed. But it's time for the church of today to witness the apostolic moving of God's spirit and to see miracles, signs, and wonders. And if you want that, hallelujah, in your life, we need to band together and join together and believe, hallelujah, that the greater, hallelujah, that the greater comes to the latter, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, greater things have yet to be done in this place in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother McGovern, for that awesome word. Hallelujah. That was apostolic preaching, and I'm thankful for that. Amen. So you can continue to pray if you want to pray. That's fine. You can continue to do that. But, amen, if you've prayed and you felt that God has given you a peace in the word, I want you to take that word with you and hold on and continue on and remain. Because God is going to do some great things, and it's not going to happen by myself. It's not going to happen with just a few us four and no more, but it's going to happen, all of us together. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Amen. So greet one another, love one another, encourage each other. And I pray that you would ring the new year in with Jesus Christ. Can I, can I just ask something of you? That when you're ready to celebrate and you ring the new year in, can you start it off? by giving God praise wherever you're at. Can you do that? Can we commit to doing that? I know that's against the grain, but you know what? I'm not of this world and neither are you. Amen. So let's ring the new year in, especially giving praise to our mighty God. If you are a guest here today, we want to meet you in the, in the pastor's reception. We want to get to know you. God bless you and have a great week in the Lord. And thank you to Team 2 for setting up and getting this together. Thank you, Team 2. God bless you. Life Church, you are the greatest. Amen. And I love you. We appreciate you. And have a great week in the Lord.